Welcome to another episode of the Swamp 247 Podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall, joined by my co-host, Jacob Rudner. And we are back once again to talk about Florida's SEC opener. If you listen to our most recent episode, we broke down the start of Florida season, Florida's loss at Utah, followed by the team's win over FCS McNeese State. And now, Jacob, we are here to talk about a very meaningful contest for the Gators as Florida hosts the Volunteers in a night game in the Swamp. Good to be here and talk about it with you. You looking forward to this one? Of course. I think it's always exciting uh, when conference play gets going, and I think that there's a lot to be learned, uh, not just about Florida's team this year at this point in the season, but also about Tennessee's team. And, uh, you know, we should gain some clarity, I think, about how the SEC East might shape up for the rest of the season and, you know, where uh, Tennessee really maybe should stand versus where it does stand in in national rankings. And then also a lot about where uh, Florida stands within its own progress uh, in its season and just in terms of, you know, reaching its goals under head coach Billy Napier in its second season with his uh, coaching. Yeah, we spent so much time talking about the Florida Gators over at Swamp 247 reporting on the Gators that often this time of the year, it gets a little bit exciting in my mind to be able to look at another opponent, what they're doing well, some standout players and storylines from the opposition. That That's always just interesting to me. And I think for with Tennessee, this is just my, I think, opinion on the outset. That's a team that really hasn't been challenged too much to begin the season, playing Virginia, playing Austin P. I, I think that you know, that's a team that also has a lot of question marks to answer as well. They're going to know a lot more about their program this weekend. But from what you have seen about the volunteers, we're just going to get right into it in scouting the volunteers. If you haven't read Jacob's first look over at swamp247.com, make sure you check that out. But Jacob, you've taken a lot of time to look at the volunteers, get information on what they look to do well. What have you seen from this team? And we'll start with the defense. What does that volunteers front, what challenge did they pose for this Florida offense that was able to run the ball effectively against McNeese, but certainly some questions remain about the potency, really, how explosive this Florida offense can be. What do you see out of that volunteer defense? Yeah, I I think that this is a group uh, that has experienced some change. Uh, You know, there were factors within that defense last year, particularly on the edges, uh, who were quite effective for the group. Uh, and are no longer with the program. And so we're going to see a lot of new faces uh, with Tennessee defensively, but that doesn't make them inexperienced. And I think that that's really important. So the first thing I would say is that there is a wealth of experience, especially as starters at the college level, all throughout Tennessee's defense. They have eight guys within their defensive line, including the edge unit, uh, who have starting experience at the college level, the same number within their secondary, and then linebackers who are younger outside of the first team unit, but very effective. Uh, with the first group. You mentioned it, Graham. We haven't really seen them face very strong competition so far this year. Virginia uh, and Austin Pay so far to start the year. Two teams that are just struggling and and, and not, you know, very formidable. So how much we can really glean from those games, you know, I don't know. Uh, That being said, we have seen Tennessee be extremely effective in its rush defense. Uh, You mentioned that front. Uh, They have held opposing teams just 87 yards per game on the ground less than three yards per carry, uh, which is extremely good. Uh, 11 sacks through two games a year after they had 31 sacks. So, you know, this is a unit that has still maintained its level of production from a year ago. Uh, I would look on the edges of this defensive line. Both of its ends have three sacks already to start the year. 
Uh, and Florida, you know, conversely, has struggled on the outside of its offensive line. So how might the game be impacted by pass rush uh, and how quickly that defensive front can get to Graham Mertz will certainly be a factor. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is a group that uh, can get gashed a little bit through the air. We saw them be very susceptible uh, to passing game last year, 290 yards allowed per contest. Uh, one of the worst teams in the SEC in the category, uh, far worse even than Florida, which I know many Florida fans uh, thought that Florida was among the worst in pass coverage. Wrong. Uh, Tennessee is, is way up there. Uh, but potentially better. Last year, I think health played a, a large role in how bad the unit was in terms of defending against the pass. This year, like I said a second ago, more experienced, uh, healthier unit. Returned some key players from last year's team who I think will be able to make an impact in this contest. Uh, and so overall, I would say a, a good unit. Uh, one that does have something to prove, which I think you know, kind of every unit that's going to be playing in this game has something to prove to a degree. Uh, but the foundation is strong. They are good against the run. Uh, they rush the quarterback effectively, and Florida will have to be very strong up front in order to protect against those things. Yeah, speaking of being strong up front, getting Kingsley back as Florida's starting center this week, interested to see how much that helps a Florida team that struggled with a really talented Utah front and then also saw Jake Slaughter, I think, play a lot better in the team's contest uh, against McNeese in the home opener. So it's really interesting, in my opinion, uh, what we're going to see out of Florida's offense from uh, being able – to uh, defend against, you know, the, the, the pass rush. I mean, that's that's absolutely something that I think that Florida should be able to do well um, with this rebuilt offensive line. Again, a lot of inexperienced players, but, you know, you look at the statistics, Tennessee has done a good job at getting to the quarterback through two games, and I'm glad you knew how to pronounce uh, Austin Pay. I, I, I absolutely have been saying P with that silent Y for a long time, so got to know how to say that one. That's a a really good one, obviously. But when you look at this Tennessee offense, I, I think that a lot of people in the SEC learned the name Hendon Hooker really quickly by this time last year, if they didn't already know him, because that was a veteran guy comes to, you know, the Tennessee program by way of Virginia. And just, I, I think that maybe there were some people who still underrate how good he was last season. I mean, that was a guy who just was extremely capable. And now the Volunteers have another veteran quarterback by way of the transfer portal in Joe Milton, which, Jacob, that's someone Florida fans, I think, are very familiar with. He was someone that Florida's coaching staff was looking at years ago, an Orlando guy who spent time around the Florida program as a prospect. He ends up going to Michigan and now at Tennessee. I know a small sample size, but so far it looks like this is a guy who, yeah, a very capable passer and a huge arm. But is he the poised quarterback that Hendon Hooker was last season? We've heard about their up-tempo offense. What have you seen from looking at the Tennessee offense that Florida's going to have to look out for and, and contend against on Saturday night? Yeah, a, a lot to unpack here. And you started with the departures uh, from Tennessee's offense, and they're very significant. Obviously, Hendon Hooker uh, was you know, within that Heisman conversation for the vast majority of the 2022 season. He was extremely effective. Uh, you know, every, he was he was completing, I think it was 10.7 yards per pass last season, which is just extraordinarily good. Uh, you know, they were averaging 326 passing yards per game uh, with Hendon Hooker at the front of the offense. And so he was absolutely critical to that air raid system uh, that Josh Heupel runs. He also had help from a great wide receiver. Jalen Hyatt 
was absolutely fantastic last year. Had over 1,200 receiving yards, 15 receiving touchdowns. Uh, that doesn't exist within the Tennessee offense anymore. They don't have uh, the superstar receiver. They don't have the superstar quarterback uh, to guide them. And that is obviously very significant. The result has been a unit that has kind of left even Tennessee fans questioning what they have uh, through two weeks this season. They rank 81st nationally uh, in passing yards per game, just over 180. Uh, while their rushing defense has stood out far more, they have the fourth-ranked rushing defense in the country, over 250 yards per game on the ground, uh, and, and quite the, the change of, uh, of, of pace for Tennessee, a, a team that really was pass-first last year. Again, Hypo running uh, you know, a, a version of the air raid offense. Uh, and, and now this year, more of a run first team, even more run first than Florida was. That doesn't mean, though, that Florida will be able uh, to completely ignore the wide receivers on the other side of the ball because they're still of good quality. Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White, uh, all of those guys come to mind for how good they were last year and how good they can be this year. Uh, fewer opportunities, but they still delivered when called upon. Uh, the focus, though, in my mind, has to be the running backs and how Florida is going to be able to defend them. Uh, it will have to have easily its best performance of the season uh, from its front seven. Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, uh, Dylan Sampson have all been excellent on the ground this season. Jalen Wright is averaging almost 10 yards per carry, which is you know phenomenal. He's played the ball, I think, 26 times, uh, 230 or so yards. Uh, this is an offense that has figured out a way to be very effective, and that's without their starting center, who I think will be able to play this week. Uh, you know, look, this this is an offense that was not uh, extremely effective against two poor opponents. I think that the balance that Tennessee strives to achieve in the system that it runs, we haven't seen that quite yet. Uh, that being said, it is a unit that is potent and dangerous. I think that if Florida is not you know, on its P's and Q's in this game, it could get ugly really quickly. Absolutely. I think that when you look at the threat of the Tennessee offense, especially that backfield, um, absolutely, it could cause a lot of problems for Florida. And, you know, you mentioned Squirrel White. We could have something, some National Geographic type stuff, man, with a Scooby tackling a squirrel in the game. That is just absolutely, uh, you know, I've covered college football for nine seasons now. I don't think I've, I've seen a, a pair of great names like that. Um, you know, one more for you on Tennessee here before we start talking about the improvements that Florida will be looking to make and maybe some matchups and key players that we are looking to see maybe play a larger role, stand out this upcoming matchup. But from a special teams perspective, we've talked about Florida, their special teams play and the improvements they need to make. How have you evaluated Tennessee's special teams play so far? Has it been a problem? for the volunteers or do they maybe have some dynamic wet weapons who could pose a challenge for the Gators in the return game? Yeah, I think that their special teams are solid. Uh, generally speaking, Florida has singled that out as an area that it needs to demonstrate improvement this week. It needs to be good uh, in its return game specifically. Trevor Etienne, who we spoke to uh, yesterday, we're recording this on Thursday. So Wednesday night uh, when we spoke to running back Trevor Etienne, who is also the Gators kick returner, uh, he told us that he thinks he needs to break one off in this game in order to you know, really be of the most benefit uh, to his team. He said that rivalry games tend to feature big returns, and so he feels the pressure uh, to a degree to be able to deliver that. Uh, and so there's no doubt that Florida will need to play well against a unit that is solid. I think, interestingly, 
uh, and his name is escaping me at the moment, but people who watch this can look it up. Uh, Tennessee does employ uh, a two-footed punter, uh, somebody who uses both legs in order to uh, boot the ball down the field. How that really changes the game for Florida, uh, you know, directionally, there's an impact, stuff like that. Uh, the rumblings out of Knoxville, though, is that there are some Tennessee fans who don't love uh, the ambidextrous punting game that is being employed right now. They don't think it's as effective as it would be uh, if there was a single foot focus. But uh, I do think that Florida will need to demonstrate improvement uh, in the way that it returns punts, how clean it is in terms of its fielding, uh, and its blocking has to improve across the board, both kick and punt return. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some great knowledge there from Jacob, obviously, on Tennessee. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Tennessee, check out swamp247.com. Read his first look, and we'll have more on Tennessee ahead of Saturday night's matchup as we record this, as you said, on Thursday. But now we are going to look at, before getting into our predictions, look at what Florida needs to continue to work on. We talked a little bit about this on Tuesday's episode, and you can get our thoughts on that as well there but i think you and i we talked about this not a whole lot of questions answered in that mcneese game this is really i hate to say that it was a meaningless contest in terms of questions answered i think if anything it was a confidence boost a much needed one after how um, demoralizing the defeat in salt lake city was uh but really what are you looking for who are you is there anyone in particular you're looking to play maybe a larger role this weekend against the Vols uh, after the start of the season that they've had. Uh, I know I in particular have one, but I'm interested to hear what your take is. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, first of all, actually I'll start with the first part of your question, which was just areas where I think Florida needs to demonstrate the most improvement uh, to me. Second contest against a quality opponent, things like offensive line play are going to be critical to watch. How good is Florida uh, at protecting its quarterback, which it did not do a good job of at Utah. Uh, where it gave up five sacks. How good is Florida at allowing the run game to become established early on in the conference, in, in, in the contest? We know that that will be important against a team that is very good again at defending the run. Uh, you know, if Florida can't establish the run, it becomes a lot more challenging because, and this is my third area for offense, uh, we have not yet seen Florida really be explosive yet in its passing game. Uh, and whether or not the Gators are going to be able to really challenge Tennessee downfield uh, is going to be, I think, the difference maker. That's my X factor for this contest. Can Florida's offense be explosive in its passing game? Uh, if it can, I actually think it has a great shot at pulling off an upset. If it can't, I think it could be tough sledding for the evening. Uh, and then defensively, I don't know that there's so much that I want to see go better than we've seen it so far, as much as I just want to see a lot of the same stuff. Uh, get to the quarterback like they were able to against McNeese. Uh, the pass coverage has been pretty impressive even as far back as the, the Utah game where Florida gave up a 70 yard touchdown, but otherwise looked quite sharp uh, in its ability to, to defend against the pass. So uh, continuing those good habits that we've seen on defense, the tackling has been great. Florida's missing less than five tackles per game, which is about half of where it was last year. Uh, that's absolutely great, from, uh, you know, progress. 
keep that up. Let's let's see that happen against a really quality opponent. Uh, those are the notes that I have on, on things that I'd like to see. And then for the second part of your question, I, I said this on the 24-7 Sports uh, preview show, and I'll say it again here. Uh, Eugene Wilson, let, let, let's really open that up, I think, in this game. I, I'd love to see Florida get more dynamic in the way that it uses Wilson, but also even guys like Ricky Pearsall. Um, I'd love to see Florida start lining up guys like that in its backfield where it can kind of take advantage maybe of putting one of its better route runners uh, in a linebacker matchup or in a matchup with a slot corner who's not perfectly positioned to be able to go cover somebody running a route out of the backfield. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of creativity that Florida could employ to get guys like Wilson and Pearsall involved. Uh, I will be writing over at swamp247.com a story on exactly that, just backfield usage and, and how that could maybe diversify the, the way that Florida operates. So you can go and check that out. Uh, but yes, I would say that, you know, Wilson is my guy for this game. I think Pearsall needs to continue to be involved. Uh, and then all the things I mentioned, uh, offense and defense, I think that that needs to be present as well, win or lose, uh, in order for Florida fans to feel okay about this result. The freshman playing a larger role uh, in the passing games in, in a slot there with, with Wilson and Aiden Mizell, I think it's only a matter of time before Aiden Mizell is able to be a deep threat within this offense. I, I think he's continuing to emerge. I, I think there's a reason that he is listed as the, you know, the second guy there at that position. I, I think he's going to be a target moving forward, but yeah, establishing the deep threat for this Florida offense is absolutely a priority. And when we talked to Billy Napier about it on Monday. He admitted that, you know, Florida's head coach, I, I know that sometimes he maybe gets the reputation of, of not really addressing a lot of topics, but he has been forthcoming that they need to be more explosive on offense. So that is certainly something I think fans should be looking for. And it's not just in the passing game, you know, Florida has established the run, but we haven't really seen them break a long run and, and what that can do for setting up the passing game when, when teams are having to stack the box against you because your running backs are, you know, one carry away from breaking a big one. We need to continue to see that I think from Florida's backfield. And if that means getting Wilson, involved in the action like we saw against McNeese where he's able to you know come in motion and, and take direct snaps I, I think that that absolutely is a threat that Florida needs to continue working on you know Ricky Pearsall said that they had fun installing that package prior to McNeese you know I think that that needs to be a priority I agree with you in seeing that move forward and you know another one that I want to add and, and you, you know we we talked to, about this a little bit earlier but keeping you know establishing defensive line depth, especially along the interior, you know, having a guy like Jamari Lyons, who I think had a really good game against McNeese, allowing him to continue to get more snaps, rotate along the interior and rotate wisely in this game, I think is, is absolutely um, uh, priority in this game against a fast paced up-tempo Tennessee offense. You know, Florida has already had some penalties, some procedural issues. And if they're having substitution issues, trouble getting guys off the field, trouble getting the play call in, trouble having the right personnel on the field, that's going to minimize their ability to keep doing that throughout the game. So making sure that they're playing a clean game early, I think is absolutely a priority. Kind of goes without you know, saying, you would think. Um, and then obviously miscommunications in the third level cannot happen. We saw that against Utah. Um, this is a team that has to play clean. They can't have any self-inflicted wounds because the margin for error, I think, is so slim right now that you have to play an extremely clean game to be able to compete with these veteran teams. I mean, you look at the amount of veteran players on Tennessee's team, you know, Florida is relying on guys playing, ex 
playing against experienced guys while, you know, still learning on the fly here. And that can lead to more errors than you would like. And Florida's going to have to minimize those uh, on Saturday night. So with all that being said, and, you know, we are still, I think, debating our final predictions here where the score is going to go. So I'm not going to put Jacob too much on the spot when it comes to his final prediction. But I want to get your gut feeling for a Thursday afternoon. Where do you stand right now in this contest? Obviously, we talked about what we're both looking for, but where are you feeling this one goes right now for either team? And what do you think it maybe could come down to? How do you think it's going to shake out on Saturday night in the swamp, Jacob? Yeah, uh, actually, I, I can give you my full score prediction right now, and I'll, I'll do that off the Ooh, jump and then explain. I like it. it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, my, my, my score prediction for this one is going to be 27-24 Tennessee. Uh, I think that it's slightly lower scoring than what Vegas is indicating. Uh, I think that defense ends up being a huge factor in this one. But here is where I stand on the prediction and why. Uh, do I think Florida can pull off an ups this game? Hear me when I say it. Yes, I certainly think they do. This would be the least surprising upset to me on Florida's entire schedule for the 2023 season. If Florida were to win this game, it would not catch me by surprise. But – I need to see more from Florida's offense before I'm willing to really have confidence in it in order to pick it to win a game like this. I think that Florida is a little bit one-dimensional in the way that it operates. I think that it is very reliant upon its run game and its ability to have success in its run replacement stuff towards the perimeter. I'm talking screens, quick passes, uh, you know, touch pass jet sweeps, uh, all that stuff that Florida likes to do and kind of mix in of its, its offense uh, it it makes it somewhat one-dimensional. And for a team that's going to be good in its front seven, like Tennessee, that could be easy to defend against. If Florida can be more dynamic and hit on some explosive plays and challenge teams vertically and actually give them something to think about in the way that they have to operate in the third level of their defense at the safety level, to me, that would be a game changer. I think that Florida, like I said earlier, uh, if it gets explosive – could very easily win this game, uh, but I'm not going to count on something we haven't seen yet. We have not seen Florida do that. Therefore, I cannot pick Florida to win this game. Uh, so again, 27-24 Tennessee, but a not surprising upset if Florida were to win it. I like it. I like the score especially because when I went on the radio earlier in the week, I picked 27-24 as well, but I picked Florida to win the game right now. And, and here's why I do think that having a game managing quarterback in Graham Mertz is a, a lot more of what Florida maybe needed than people realized from last season. And, and that's not to take a shot at Anthony Richardson. People know I have a ton of respect for Anthony Richardson, but the reality was that he was a first year starting quarterback and for as dynamic as he could be, he could zero in on his first read and make a game-changing interception. You saw it against Kentucky. You, you've seen it happen, I think, multiple times. And, you know, it was definitely a detriment at times, as great as he could be for Florida last season, that I, I think that Graham Mertz is, uh, you know, more than just an above-average quarterback. I, I think he is a really, really good game manager. And when you don't need to have him come from 21 points down, to try and win the game, he can absolutely go out there and win you games. Florida needs to run the football, minimize errors on defense, and allow Graham Mertz 
to command the time of possession. Those 12, 13-yard plays that we've seen, even when they're backed up at the 98-yard line, those are really promising in my mind. Having the ability to extend drives, eat up clock, those are things that when you have a lead and it gets into the second half, you absolutely can minimize your chances of a game-breaking error or a team rallying. And I think if Florida can minimize, like I said, their issues and get a lead there going into the second half, Graham Mertz's style of play is really conducive, I think, to holding on to a lead and leading a team to victory. So I do think it's going to be a closer game. I think if Florida can just play sound defensively like we have seen outside of that big play against the Utes on the first drive, if, if their defense can play the way that they have um, and, and take some confidence from the last week, I think this is going to be a much closer game. And I could see Florida pulling off a three-point victory right now. Um, and I, I went with 27-24, but I'm going to be honest. Right now, I am leaning towards 21-17 Florida. I think that Florida, um, they're going to have to worry about the ground game, but I think that they're going to hold Joe Milton in check, which that's also me eating a bit of crow because when I made that the list that were oh, uber controversial, right, Jacob? I mean, I included Joe Milton in my top five QB list that the Gators would face for the season. I was a guy who thought that he was going to have a Hendon Hooker type season for the volunteers. I thought he would maybe get talk of being a Heisman candidate, even just given his experience there and what we saw out of that Tennessee offense last season. I am less confident right now through two games. And I think this could be a big tell for how good Joe Milton can be. If he comes out and passes for, you know, 300 plus yards against this Florida defense, it's going to be absolutely, I, I think, a huge boost to his trajectory throughout the rest of the season, knowing that he can be that type of weapon. And it's going to be really demoralizing for this Florida defense that they once again got carved up by a really, really good quarterback. So I'm really interested to see how this one shakes out. It's going to be a big test for both teams. Right now, I'm going Florida 21-17. But, Jacob, fans are going to have to check out my final prediction tomorrow over at Swamp247.com where I tell people where my gut is leaning because I think this one is is too close to really say you're confident one way or the other right now. I think it's going to be a really, really close game that could go either way. But right now, I got Florida 21-17. I like it. I think uh, I think it'll be a good game. I, I think that no matter wh- you know which way this goes, I think it's going to be close. Uh, I, I think that the line in Vegas of six and a half uh, might even not necessarily do it justice, how close it's going to be. I think it, it'll be competitive. Um, I, I, I've been impressed with Florida's defense, and I think that that – has been you know, something that stands out to me quite clearly through the first two games in a way that I think will allow this to be a lower-scoring game. Um, I think Florida is, is a better defensive team than it was a year ago, clearly. Where I'm not convinced that Florida is improved uh, is offensively. I do understand that Graham Mertz uh, has a nice completion percentage and threw for over 300 yards uh, in a loss to Utah. But again, I, I, I need to see a lot more before I'm confident that what Graham Mertz can offer Florida, which is very consistent short-range passing and so far a lack of longer, you know, even in, in the intermediate range, it's just a lack of, of longer passing. Um, I don't know that that survives in the SEC, and we're going to find out. So I think Saturday will be really important uh, in kind of shaping uh, my you know, view of the team for the remainder of the year. This is an important game for sure. It absolutely is, and it's one that I hope continues for a long time. I know we've talked so much about conference realignment and 
the history of this matchup, that's been a constant theme throughout the week. You know, Billy Napier jokingly said that there's so much Tennessee history running through his dad's side of the family that they're not even going to be rooting for the Gators on Saturday. But a lot of people here in Gainesville will be, we will have a lot more to talk about next week. We'll know a lot more soon about both teams, about the Gators and the Volunteers late Saturday night. We'll have a ton of coverage in the days to come before the game. Head on over to swamp247.com to check that out. And we'll be back next week to recap the Florida-Tennessee game. You've been listening to another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. I'm your host, Graham Hall, joined by my host, Jacob Rudner. We'll be back. Thanks for listening.